been looking forward to doing this recording all week, actually longer, since the day Carla, Para, and I met, um, thanks to the introduction from Megan Miller. Carla, it's such a pleasure to have you on your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Well. Thank you for joining me. Sarah, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this conversation too, also since um, Megan introduced us, but also since you were on my podcast, Successful the Podcast. We had such a wonderful conversation with you and what a treat it is to, you know, to, to exchange now and to, to be a guest on your show. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, absolutely. I love it when that works out. And being a guest on your show was so inspiring. I just loved hearing the questions and the way that you incorporated your own stories and work into what we were talking about. It was just such a great organic conversation, which I hope we can um, do something similar today. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. Thank you. Excellent. <laughs> well, as you know, I always start my conversations with my guests, asking them to share something about themselves that most people don't know about them. And I do this so that our listeners have a little bit of context outside of the the standard conversation, not not that any of our conversations are standard, but um, outside of what we'll talk about later on. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is something that people do know about me, but it's such an important part of who I am and my values and what I do every day. And that is that I am a, what you call a digital nomad and a full-time RVer. So I live a kind of an unconventional life, I guess, in some ways it's become more common since the pandemic, but even before people were working remotely, uh, my husband and I left our city apartment in Dallas and we got rid of most of our belongings and we moved from a 750 square foot apartment into an 84 square foot camper with our two dogs and we travel full time and right now we're in Arizona. I have this enormous cactus, it's called a saguaro outside of our window and I have mountains and the desert, and we travel chasing good weather. And we spend a lot of time both in the US and in Mexico, which is where I'm originally from. But we've been having this lifestyle of being nomads and kind of just going wherever our hearts are calling, sometimes at a moment's notice, and living a very minimal, minimalistic lifestyle for three and a half years now. We were just reaching our three and a half year anniversary or, or nomadiversary, as they say. Wow. So yeah, that's something that that is pretty public. I mean, I wouldn't say people don't know, but it's such a foundational part of just a reflection of uh, you know who I am and, and what I value. So when we think about things that people might not know about us, the the aspect of this traveling comes back to what you did as a child. Did you live your whole life in one place or did your parents move around a lot? That's such a great question. I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, huh, like what, what were the things that shaped me that, you know, that led to this lifestyle? And, and I was thinking about that in preparation for a conversation and I did move a lot. So I grew up in Mexico and I moved my dad worked in the port industry in Mexico. So it wasn't like a military thing. It was just more that he had newer and better opportunities. And we moved around all of the coasts in Mexico, from the Gulf to the Caribbean to the Pacific. And we lived in a lot of gorgeous places where people go on vacation, like Cancun and Cozumel and places like that. And that, that was my backyard. Uh, but we did move frequently. I mean, we lived in these beautiful places, but we left those beautiful places quite frequently growing up. 
And and growing up, that was hard, right? Because I made friends. Like there were some times that I would have three different schools in three years. And and that was really hard. I remember being so upset at my parents, you know, like you take me to this school and I finally make friends and, you know, build my reputation, whatever that meant, especially as a teenager, that was so important. And then we would leave and I'd have to leave friendships behind. But now as an adult, I have so much appreciation for for why they did that and and everything that that lifestyle exposed me to and the adventures we had and the amazing experiences, which did eventually lead, I think, to me becoming very comfortable with change and being a nomad and very much always like itching for that next thing. I think that it's very hard for me to be in one place for very long. We've been in Phoenix for too long and I'm getting very antsy to move on to our next place. So definitely my childhood shaped that lifestyle that we've chosen, my husband and I. So maybe that's the part that most people might not know about you is that even though you did that as a child, and some people may know that, um, the fact that you weren't excited about it at the time and that it felt very disruptive, which it was very disruptive. And yet I I would ask, um, do you think that this is part of what makes you so good at um guiding others through change and transition? You know, I mean, I'm human. It's absolutely hard, right? Like I I choose that lifestyle now. And when I choose it, it's easy. But there are times, and to your point, like I think that's something that people don't know is that it's not always wonderful and butterflies. You know, like you think, oh, you live on the road and you're on the mountains and the ocean. And but sometimes it is it is difficult to to change or difficult to stay stay in one place. In my case, that's what I struggle with, um, and it absolutely has given me an appreciation for how difficult change can be. To you know, to let go of what you know, to embrace what you don't know, and realizing that while I've had a lot of experiences doing that, it doesn't mean that you know, that it's always easy for me and certainly not easy for other people. So it absolutely has influenced my career choices before I launched my own coaching business. I actually led a lot of change management and, you know, organizational change type work for big companies. And and my mom would always joke like, oh, well, you're perfect for that job because you know change like nobody else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely given me a lot of empathy for how difficult change can be and an appreciation for it, for sure. And appreciation for how important it is too, right? Mm-hmm. How, 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 what goodness awaits on the other side. Well, that's yeah. definitely where I was going with this is that um, even for people like you or like me, because I have adaptability in my top talents and I also thrive in places of change. Um, and and I understand that for some people, they look at us and and wonder how we do it, don't think they could ever do it, and don't think we understand the challenge for them because our brains work so differently. And yet what I'm hearing you say is that that's exactly why you have developed compassion for that difficulty for others is that even though we do it all the time and we love it and we we are we thrive in it, that doesn't mean it's easy. It's just the choice that we make to to take those changes. Yeah. I think it is easier when you choose it, right? Like mm-hmm. like if I think back to how it was growing up when it wasn't my choice to 
be changing schools and changing cities was my parents' choice. That felt very disempowering to me. And I was a child. I mean, of course they knew what was best for us. And but, but it was hard because somebody else was telling me. And I think that when I think about that happening in our adult lives, like in companies, right? When leaders are saying, we're going to merge with another company or your job is no longer needed, you know, like that's really hard because it's something outside of you that you feel that you're out of control um, with. It's much easier to change when you make the choice. It still has its challenges for sure. But, but, you know, now that I have this lifestyle, I choose this lifestyle. And so when things don't go so well, it's like, well, (laughs) it was my choice. Right. Right. So I definitely can understand both situations of when Mm -hmm. it's outside of you and how difficult that can be. And also how difficult it can be when even it is, you know, it is a little easier when it comes from within, but there's still challenges associated with that. Absolutely. I I was thinking about two different things that I've heard in the past. One is change either happens to you or for you. And um, just making that mindset shift makes it a a completely different story for for what you're experiencing. And the other thing that popped into my head is that um, I would rather make the change than have the change happen to me which is a similar thing, but it's a little bit different in, in the idea that when people see the writing on the wall, they know change is going to happen. To be able to choose how they are going to adjust either their plans or their skill set or their mindset around it um, so that that change is happening with you having some empowerment behind it. Yeah. I, I, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about a friend. I just, um, she just posted on LinkedIn something that, that really has me thinking a lot. And she just returned to work from maternity leave. And that's a big change, right? Like when you have been with your family for four months and or however long, and now you have to go back, like that's a change that is not necessarily your choice. I have to imagine that it would be much easier to choose to just continue to stay home and nurture that relationship with your newborn and, and, you know, treasure that special time. But she has been going through a lot of reflection and thinking, and she chose to show up for that particular change that, again, is outside of her in a way that's much more empowered. She spent a lot of time reflecting on, you know, how do I want to show up at work in a way that where I'm setting boundaries and where I'm making the rules, so to speak. And I admire that so much because that's a great example of seeing the writing in the wall, right? The end of maternity leave is coming, but choosing to show up in a way that's energized and in a way that is empowered. So I think that's, yeah, that, that's a great mention that, you know, sometimes change is outside of us and we're not going to be able to control it, but we can choose the way that we show up for mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that's huge. And I've been doing the Strengths Finder work for many years, many years, a lot, a lot of Strengths Finder work over a short period of time with over a thousand clients. And one thing that's been pretty consistent is people with adaptability and their top talents being two to three year employees and having a similar sense to what I have, which is that I prefer long periods of transition and short periods of contentedness where mm-hmm. most people I think are on the opposite end of that spectrum where they prefer longer periods of contentedness and shorter periods of transition and transformation. And 
what I see in you and your strength is your ability to um, take other people along for that ride so that they can approach that transition with that empowered sense of what am I doing to make this work for me? So um, without telling me what you do, can you tell our listeners what you do through a story of a recent coaching client and, and that kind of guidance or a story of guiding a company and a particular person that was probably struggling with change through one of those change management um, tours that you took as a, as an employee in corporate world? Oy. Well, there's different environments through which I've done what you're what you're referencing to referencing and the the one that most recently comes to mind just happened like a, a week i guess 2 weeks ago where i had the opportunity to speak to a group of executive women um in miami it was an amazing opportunity and i spoke about confidence about how to show up as a confident leader in the workplace by really focusing on your mindset, right? We tend to say like, oh, I need to just do all the things. And, you know, if I was just confident, then I do all the things. But like, what does really confidence mean? And so we spent a lot of time, it was a workshop, um, really working through what are the inner blocks that our thoughts or feelings creates our energy that are getting in the way of us actually taking action and getting results. I did that. And then I did another workshop on influencing others and influencing others, not through coercion or through fear, but through empathy and through curiosity and and emotions that really serve us and serve our relationships. And I had a woman in the audience that that has just really touched my heart and, and has stayed with me as I've been reflecting back on, on that week. And she came up to me, you know, during a break and she just said, you know, you I needed to I needed to hear what you were talking about today. I didn't know what this day was going to be about, but I trusted that I was going to hear what I needed to hear. And you now have given me that push, that little bump to continue in, in search of what essentially what, what is calling to her. And, and she took my arm and she said, you know, you're, I can tell you're doing exactly what you're meant to be doing. And that was such like, she gave me, gave me goosebumps when she said that. Because I felt so alive in that workshop, in that day, in that room with these incredible women. And it was one of those moments where, you know, that, that you really like pinch yourself and you're like, the, the universe is talking to me. You know, you are exactly <laughs> where you need to be right now. And so that was just an incredible experience. So that's one type of environment where I do what I do, which is this more big group setting whether it be a workshop or a talk. And because of the pandemic, most of my work had been virtual. And this was the first time in quite a while that it was in person. And that was so energizing. Mm -hmm. And then the other environment that I do it is, is in small groups, but mostly one-on-one, -on -one, um, really supporting my clients in very intimate settings, you know, one-on-one -on -one space that where we're really they have the space to explore what it is, what what are the changes that they want to make? And even when they're changes that they want to make, what are the inner blocks? Because usually it's inner blocks, inner blocks that are standing in their way to make those changes. What are the mindsets that 
are not supporting them? What are the things that they're not seeing because their brains are so focused on why it won't work? You know, our brains are just Mm -hmm. naturally wired to protect us and to look for all the reasons why not. And so my role in that is to partner with them and and love them through that process of change. And change doesn't have to be, you know, I had a, a client recently that that started out with me and said, well, I think I need to change jobs. Like I am just not happy and I need to change jobs. The grass is greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so we worked together for for six months and, and at the end she decided to stay. And because she, she decided to stay because she had a renewed perspective on her environment and her ability to make, to be in choice, you know, mm-hmm. to be more empowered in her role and speak up for what was important to her. And she realized that she could get a lot of what she wanted right where she was, but with a new perspective, with a new set of tools to observe her thoughts, observe her emotions, observe how she was showing up. She was able to really seize the opportunities that were already available to her without having to leave. But she was different now showing up six months later, even though the environment was not. Exactly. Yeah. I've seen that time and time again, where it's really this idea that it's some external thing that's causing the dissatisfaction. Yes. Yeah. And, and especially with women, we have a tendency to put that on the external um, when it comes to that particular environment. And then I see men who make it external when things don't go their way. Mm, interesting. And, yeah. um, and it's internal when things go well, it's, oh, well, that was me. I, <laughs> I did have all that. Yeah, yeah. Take all the credit. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's so fascinating to me. Um, part of what you said really, uh, really resonated. Well, everything you said resonated with me, but one thing I'd love to hear is when you think of those internal blocks, what was one of yours that you were able to address? I, I have dozens in my oh, head that over the last <laughs> 10, 15 years, like since I turned 40, that I've been able to go, oh, that was just me. <laughs> that, that wasn't some external force. You know, oh, I, yeah, I have a lot. And I, I have been grappling with a few recently because I feel like in my, so, so I've had like these big pivotal moments in my career. One was when I left corporate, right? I, I spent 12 years in corporate. That was my life. That's what I knew. That was my identity, my family, everything. And there were a lot of internal blocks that kept me there for a long time um, for, you know, for many good reasons. Um, And I think that at the time, maybe a mental block then was, was really just like fear of the unknown because I didn't know life as an entrepreneur. I didn't know, I don't know if I could trust myself to show up as an entrepreneur. Like I I have learned that I thrive quite a bit when I have external pressures, you know, mm-hmm. like like deadlines, like other people depending on me. I, responsibility is my number one strength from Strengths mm-hmm. Finder. And and that sense of responsibility to others, especially, really pushes me, really motivates me. And so I think I was quite afraid of what's going to happen when I don't have a boss or coworkers or deadlines that are driving my work. Am I going to be able to show up in that same, with that same 
pace, which is a whole other story, right? Learning that I didn't have to have the same pace, but anyway, um, <laughs> yes, you know, I'm like, another be... block for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I think that was definitely a block. And and I worked with a coach that at the time, you know, helped me to to see those those blocks, those beliefs that I was having that were keeping me from going all into my business and and launching and being brave, um, which was definitely a hard journey. I think that now one of the things I'm still, you know, I I'm I'm much more conscious now than I was two or five years ago about those blocks. Like I spend, because it's what I do, I spend a lot of time, like almost like shining a light on my own brain of like, okay, what are the thoughts that are coming up here? You know, what are those voices saying today? And I write, I write them down every morning. I try to, you know, frequently. And, and like, for example, right now, that responsibility strength, as I'm thinking about it, is showing up quite a bit. I have some big projects that I want to launch in the new year in 2023. And I'm definitely feeling like the fear of, will I be able, like, once I start something, that sense of responsibility means that I have to follow through. <laughs> like, I can't just be like, I'm done. And I feel right. terrible when I drop things, when I like abandon things. And so I'm feeling these, um, or I'm sensing these thoughts that are telling me, well, are you going to be able to be consistent enough? And are you going to be able to show up? And and they're they're holding me back. I can see them. They're holding me back and saying, no, don't do, don't start, don't start because you're not going to follow through. So, but I but I'm much more aware. Like I'm I'm really glad that I'm aware of them because I can really shine the light and be like, I see you, I see you. I'm I'm believing you maybe thirty <laughs> percent. Right. Well, and I I think it is important to not only recognize that um, that the voices are there, but that sometimes they're giving you some pretty good things to consider. Because what I'm hearing you say is, look at my priorities. Make sure I'm not taking on more than I can consciously do and do well. And this is making you shine that light on all of the projects and choosing the ones that are most meaningful to you and that you know you can follow through on. And sometimes we dismiss all of those bad internal, what we call bad internal dialogues that are going on. But I think there are many times when it becomes very useful if you're just listening to it with curiosity instead of judgment. I mean, many times I hear that internal dialogue and I start judging myself for it. (laughs) I'm like, why would you think that? Why would that even pop into your head? And what a a horrible thing to think, or, you know, all those, all those things that we do to ourselves. And if I can take that step back and think, okay, why am I judging myself for this? First of all, and second of all, what are these messages telling me that actually might be useful? That's a really, I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I think it is important to distinguish between what's coming from a place of, of fear and what's coming from a place of curiosity. I love that, that call out that, you know, that word that you use and, and it feels different, right? When you, and it's, it's really the difference between judging and discernment. Like when you are judging, it's coming from a place of, of fear, of, of, ah, you know, you're not doing it. And how dare you? Like all those voices that just beat us down. Like they speak to us in a way we'd never speak to anybody else. Uh, But when it's from a place of discernment, 
then it's different because it's curious and it's it's still trying your brain's still trying to protect you but it's not necessarily oh because you're going to fail but it's it, because it makes sense you want to do a good job and you want to give priority to the things that really matter so i think i'm i'm personally right now at a moment where i'm figuring out like is this discernment or is this judgment <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, that's your responsibility speaking. And as we know, your strengths are good and and sometimes they get in our way. Everything mm-hmm. that's good has a side of it that can be not good. And yeah. your responsibility generally is a talent. <laughs> it is a strength. And so when those messages are coming up in your head, it makes sense to decide to be discerning about it and and not just dismissive because oh that's just based in fear but not necessarily because you're so conscious oh yeah. i love that that makes <laughs> so much sense to me yeah it's not always easy right cuz i and i think that what what is key for me is to figure out like how does it feel like like when you are in a place of judgment that shows up in your body in a very different way than when you're in a place of discernment like discernment and curiosity it's neutral. Like, you know, there's no anxiety. There's no like, uh, you know, like tightness in the chest. Associated <laughs> right. with it, good or bad. Good right. or bad. It's just, it is. Okay. You're exploring. Like, can I do all these things? There's no attachment, no expectation. It's just curiosity. Let me see if I can show up for all these things. And when it's, when it's judgment, it's Oh, you think you're so good. And, you know, I always imagine this like monster in my head, gremlin being like, who do you think you are? <laughs> so I think, and, and that shows up in my body with anxiety, right? And sweaty palms for me. And, and so I, when I'm looking at my thoughts, I guess, and when I'm working with clients and helping them see their thoughts, I always ask, like, how does that feel in your body? Like, tell me what's coming up in your body right now. Like, is your heart beating fast? Like, what's feeling good? What's not feeling good? And I try to bring that to myself. I, it's funny. It's mm-hmm. hard to always, like, practice what you're teaching, right, yeah. with yourself. <laughs> well, I think that's part of what makes a really good coach is that constant um, self-reflection. And I heard somebody call it navel-gazing. <laughs> it's like, it's just <laughs> navel-gazing. I'm like, no, no, no. It's a constant sense of choice. It's a constant sense of knowing that my words that are in my head and the words that come out of my mouth and whatever actions I take are my choice. And um, to not consider that means that you can't, I really don't think that you can help others be self-reflective if you're not doing it yourself consistently. And you mentioned working with a coach right before you took the plunge of being self-employed and being an entrepreneur. And I've said this before, if if you're a coach and you don't have a coach or you don't reach out to coaches periodically, whether that's bartering for coaching or um, hiring a coach, then how are you demonstrating the value of what you bring to your clients if, if you're not valuing it yourself? So I love that. And I know my one of my business coaches really helped me in in identifying my blocks in terms of why I um, why I struggle with knowing what I want to do specifically because I have all these different activities that I like to do. And I was concerned that if I delegated any of it, like 
I was looking at all the tasks I do and where I might be getting in my own way. That's what she was walking me through. And she said, okay, so which ones can you delegate? And I said, my concern is that I will delegate these things. And instead of then spending that time to do what I know I need to do around business development and my own work, writing my next book and putting this course online, I'm afraid I'm just going to do other stuff, you know, surf LinkedIn or spend my time playing instead of, and she said, okay, so you have this obstacle in your path and it's stopping you from going to the next part of your, your journey, not because of the obstacle itself, but because you're placing it there and saying, I can't go past it. Mm-hmm. So she said, you could be going around it now. And you're choosing not to because this thing is here. She said, so remove the obstacle. <laughs> yeah. That's that's how it's going to. And I remember just going, oh, this is why we hire a coach. Yes, I know. <laughs> There's so much that we we just don't see, right? Because we're in it. We're in mm-hmm. the trees. We're in the forest. We're not, we're not seeing new ways of looking, new, new perspectives, new approaches, new possibilities, new solutions. I mean, absolutely. I always say I have many coaches, you know, like the coach, your coach doesn't have to necessarily be one person that you hire and spend thousands and thousands of dollars on, although that works for many and and I've done that and I have that and it's, it's so important, you know, to have that one person that's really dedicated to you. But there's also coaches that you can learn from that are coaching many, Right. I, I have a particular coach that has really been fundamental in my journey to learn how to run my business. And she shows up and she coaches many people and she teaches. Right. And and I mm-hmm. I I consider her coach. I listen to her. I listen to her podcast. I read what she put what she puts out. I have, you know, I've been thinking a lot about like who are who are my coaches for 2023? This has been very top of mind for me. Like who are my coaches and who are my teachers? And they're not always one and the same. Right, like you can learn things from someone that teaches content, and a coach is going to be much more about having you reflect about how about yourself, you know, like helping mm-hmm. you like really put up a mirror. And so, I think that we always all need teachers and coaches, and sometimes they are one and the same. Uh, and that's just been very top of mind just the criticality of if I'm going to show up with the best possible tools, the best possible confidence presence for my clients then i can't i can't do that if i am not working on myself i i was just reading a post um from a friend today on on instagram and she's a therapist and and she posted something like a therapist needs to have their own healing journey in order to in order to help heal others right like there's so much that you learn like for example when i think about my coach training right? I, I learned so much about myself and my values. And I was learning, yes, how to coach others. But the focus during my coach certification experience was on me. It was on my development, my growth, understanding what's holding me back, because only then could I help other people. And and it's an ongoing thing, right? It's because we're human. And because, you know, as we say that when we, in my coaching program. It's pretty dramatic, but I always remember it is if you stop growing, when you stop growing, you die. (laughs) It's like so simple. Like it's true. Seriously. So we're always, always growing. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I think about that a lot. And uh, this focus on relevance that I've been taking lately, which is part of this um, journey around authenticity and identity and relevance that I've been exploring for the last, I don't know, a few years, but particularly in the last six or eight months. And when I think of growth as living, I think about relevance in the same way. If you no longer feel relevant in some way, whether that's by sharing stories of your childhood with your grandchildren and great-grandchildren or volunteering or um, contributing as a coach or as a mentor or writing and just continuing to share whatever your experiences you've had um, continues your relevance into the future and when you've passed. So Mm -hmm. it, you know, contributes to legacy. But I want to go back right before to bring this full circle um, so that we can kind of tie a bow on it. You mentioned that you were in uh, this corporate world for 12 years and kind of stuck there. You felt kind of stuck there for a variety of reasons. And one woman that I, a friend of mine that I lost a few years ago, Shortly before she died, she said, I I told her I was frustrated because it took me so long to find my place. It took me so long to find what I do really well that could really contribute to the benefit of others. And she said, you had to go through all of those things before you could be who you are in order to show up the way you do. You couldn't have done it five years ago because you weren't there yet. So embracing that time and I'd love to come back to the moment, one of the many moments, I'm sure, when you realized you were in exactly the right place. I know you just shared a story about the workshop with that woman saying, this is exactly what I needed to hear. And she was where she needed to be in that moment, as were you. One more story like that, where you realized, um, and maybe early on when you first left corporate world, that you you had that, okay, this is this is real. I am responsible to me and it's working or, or not. Mm, Or not. (laughs) I think that when you start out as an entrepreneur, there's more of these stories of the not, you know, because it's so (laughs) new and there's so much unknown. Well, maybe Um, that's the story we should start with then. Yeah. You know, I I really just want to touch on what, what you said earlier, because I think sometimes like I'll say like, oh, well, I was stuck in corporate and and I I completely agree that I wasn't stuck. I chose to be there and I had wonderful opportunities while I was there and wonderful people that gave me those opportunities and trusted me and supported me and helped me grow. And everything was meant to be. Everything was meant to happen the way that it happened. And it was up to me to listen to myself on when was the right time to take the leap. Right. Exactly. the moment that I decided, then that net was waiting for me on the other side to yes. to catch me and send me on my way to the next phase <laughs> of, of my journey. So so I think yes. that maybe there abs- absolutely were times where I'm like, oh, I'm stuck and why am I not doing it? But everything prepared me and everything now is preparing me for the next thing, right? I, I always say nothing is wasted. Every single opportunity is, is intentional. Totally agree. It's up to us to see that and to and to take those lessons and what we're learning into that next that that next phase. But you asked about like like what's the 
or the stories or the moments where I've been like, this is exactly where I'm meant to be. I think that those moments now in my entrepreneurship life come to me when I, it comes to me in small moments. You know, like I, I think that it's easy to think like, oh, you're going to launch your business and you're just going to be like this big, you're going to be flying jets and making all the money and, you know, you're going to have all this freedom and it's going to be all amazing and drinking champagne and drink, like, I don't know, there's this like visual of like successful entrepreneurs. And it's not like that. I, you know, for me, it's, it's really been about the small interactions and relationships that I have built and influenced and that other people have the other ways that people have influenced my life since I became an entrepreneur. When I have a client that says, you know, I hadn't considered that, or that's, you know, that question is really making me think, or, or I disagree, you know, like, like when they're pushing back a little bit, like that to me is a sign of, of growth and, and introspection. And I love that. And that to me is saying, Carla, you're making the difference. Impact is one of my values. So is adventure and freedom, which is why I, I live on the road. But when it comes to my business, impact is one of my greatest values. And I think a lot about, it's not just impact, it's what, what's the kind of impact that I want to make. And when people feel challenged in productive ways, and when they when the people that I work with see something new that they hadn't seen before, and when they say, I can show up at my work feeling much more empowered and joyful about what I'm doing and seeing how this is all meaningful and intentional and I'm showing up intentionally. That to me are the moments where, and in the stories, you know, those little blips in time where I can, the tell me you are exactly where you are meant, meant to be. So again, I don't think it's like this, you know, big story or big, transformation i think it's really those little droplets and those little interactions that seem might seem little but really make such an impact in building up to and telling you like yeah listen you're doing exactly what you're meant to be it's not always going to be those workshops like the one in miami where that you know where i was in front of 60 women those i i would love to have those every week but they're just not what has happened in the last two years in my business right what has happened in the last two years have been small incremental little interactions or, you know, six month or eight month long relationships that have taken time and, and coaching, you know, um, partnerships that have taken time to nurture and, and, and to grow. And so I think, you know, as I'm speaking, I, I'm, I'm reflecting on how important it is to really recognize those smaller wins and, and not always be expecting like there's going to be some big story or some big, achievement that's going to validate what I'm doing. Look for mm. those small little droplets that are telling you because those are everywhere, right? Whereas yeah. the big ones might not be there everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly where I was thinking you were going with that was that um, paying attention to those mm -hmm. small things because you may never have, or we may never have a, a viral video, you know, with a million views and and that's okay. Yeah. And we still are recognizing those those droplets of success, the 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 pieces that are really meaningful. I I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. One of my friends calls them in the context of my lifestyle, you know, or or being outdoors and being in nature, she calls them dandelion moments. 
And I love that. My husband and I always say like, oh, you know, like we'll be out in the mountains with a fire, sharing a moment with people that we love and and we'll be like, oh, this is a, a dandelion moment. You know, it's like one of those little moments that just, it's so delicate and it's so quick. So you have to like treasure it, you know, because of the way that it makes you feel, what it makes you learn in that moment, the people that you're with. And I'm, as we're talking, I'm realizing that that applies to your work too. You know, those special little moments where somebody says, what you said made me think, you know, or, you know, you really challenged me or you've helped me grow in these ways. Like, oh, wow. Okay. The little dandelion moment that I'm going to treasure and that I'm going to keep and as a reminder that I'm exactly where I need to be. I love that. And I'm connecting that immediately with this idea of the way you describe this idea of a successful entrepreneur drinking champagne and flying all over the world <laughs> to do your thing. When I realize that's not my dream of success anymore, it's yeah. the dandelion moments that are my aha moments that I'm in the right place and doing what I was meant to do because I can take my, I'm dog sitting. And when I finish this call, because of the work I do and how I do it, I get to take that dog for a walk on the mountain behind my house in the middle of the day. And I don't have to worry about the the meetings that somebody else is scheduling on my calendar. That is just as critical to me. That is just as important a dandelion moment as having the income to be able to go travel somewhere after. And um, I think I love that you connected those dots for me. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for that. Because I've always thought of these dandelion moments in my life outside of work. And as we're, we've been chatting, I realized that those exist in your career too, right? You just mm -hmm. need to be aware and willing and open to receiving them and noticing them, paying attention mm -hmm. to your point. Yeah. And remembering them too. Those, it's almost like you can collect them. You know, for when when you're feeling blue and like, oh, you know, what's the point of everything that it's, I'm doing? It's winter. There are no dandelions. Exactly. <laughs> Imagine you have like Absolutely. a little sack of, of dandelions. That you can just pull one out and be like, remember this, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I call it a satisfaction journal and I have my mm. StrengthsFinder clients start one of those periodically so that they can hold on to them and see where their strengths were being fed and why they found them satisfying. So that's a perfect place to write down those work-related dandelion moments. Yeah. Carla, this has been such a treat as I knew it would. And I, I knew that the moment we started talking and thanks again to Megan Miller for the introduction. Thank you, Carla. I honor your time and I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm.